Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to History Makers TV. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, founder and president of History Makers Society and History Makers Academy. I am so glad to be back with you today. Thank you for joining us. Today, I've got something very special for you. Uh, we're going to talk about something as it relates to what may be the 3 to 5% of those who achieve significant things in life know about. The, the, the sort of principles and golden rules behind the discipline that really make history in this world. As Christians, as believers, we tend to think that because we've come into Christianity that now everything will be fine or, or greatness is achieved through simply a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus opens the door to salvation there's no amount of work you can do to earn salvation. And, and, and that kind of, of greatness, the spiritual greatness that God gives us, is a definite to the child of God. But there are earthly laws and principles and wisdoms, so to speak, that those who govern and rule and succeed in this life know and live by. Have you ever wondered why sometimes it seems like the unsaved <laughs> are achieving so much? Well, we who, who know the Lord, we're saying, where is our inheritance? Why do we seem like we're the tail and not the head? Well, Oftentimes, it comes down to what you know or what you don't know, what you are knowledgeable about or what you are ignorant about. There are laws and principles that govern every sphere of life, laws and principles that God instituted, that God set in place from the foundations of the world, and to seek them out and discover them is really the ministry of, of kings, of sons and daughters of the Most High God. We look for miracles often to give the quick fix. When God actually wants to develop you in rulership principles, stewardship principles, promised land management principles, and I want to give you a few today. So if you're watching today, you are going to be blessed. You are watching the right episode because I want to give away some things and I'm going to teach it in a very systematic way. So grab your pen or get your, your, your phone out and get ready to type, however you can take this down and make sure you watch this message at least four to seven times. That's how you make the word become flesh. And by the way, I'm so excited to announce and remind you of our History Makers Experience training October 28th to 30th. That's the, the secret result oriented machine <laughs> that you've been hearing so much about. It's where the transformational stories uh, come from. It's how we are producing history makers all around the world. And so we want you to be a part of that. You can go to historymakersacademy.com. It's right there on your screen. And you can register there for either in-person attendance. That's right in the Durham region. Uh, of Ontario at Canada Christian College, or you can actually join us from anywhere in the world online. We have a fantastic History Makers tech and media team that will give and provide to you the same experience as if you were right there in the room. 
many of the fantastic testimonies that come out of History Makers uh, Academy are those who came in and entered online, who were there, paid the price over the three days, and received absolute revolution in their life. It will change your life. We call it the ultimate result-oriented machine. So we want to see you there. Once again, historymakersacademy.com, our History Makers Experience Training, October 28th to 30th. I hope that you'll register. And by the way, post-COVID pricing, <laughs> normally $395, now $97 just for this one. I'm pretty sure it'll be just for this one, but we wanted to be able to bless the people of God and those who have come out of COVID and are looking to make change in their life. We want to do that for you. So make sure you check out the website and the special pricing is there for you. You can register there at historymakersacademy.com. Now, speaking of Christian disciplines, disciplines right there, we, we have this maybe default setting in our minds that when we say the word discipline, it's something uncomfortable for us. It's something maybe non-spiritual, so to speak. But the Bible actually says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. <laughs> not God-control, not God controlling your life for you, but self-control. That is to say that the Spirit of the Lord when you are in fellowship with him, he will actually help you to control your own life. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a second. He will actually empower you to live the disciplined life. And we all know that the Apostle Paul talked about beating his body into submission and the disciplines that it takes to even win the race of salvation. He talks about running the marathon, and, and these are people who understood disciplines that I'm sorry to say much of our generation has lost. We want the quick 30-second miracle, the drive-through miracle that solves all our problems, but God actually wants to raise you up as someone who is in control, managing their life well, who is the head and not the tail, who is, who is the Joseph or Daniel of their generation. God wants to do that in your life. I want to give you a few principles now as we talk about discipline in your own life. And when we talk about wanting genuine change, wanting to change your life, whatever those habits are that you want to break, whatever you're asking God to help you with, whether it's in finances or your family or marriage or whatever it might be, you must take a radical stance against indiscipline. That's the first step is to mentally say, I am choosing today to align my life with the values that God has given me, with the values that I believe in for where my life should go to bring the most glory to God and to be able to fulfill my calling, purpose, and destiny. You just won't be able to do it without discipline. And God will give you a grace for that. So I want to give several factors today on how to fight in discipline. Why am I talking about fighting? Other than Paul talking about boxing and, and all of this, he compares it to athleticism for a reason. Because of the major disciplines and practice and routine building and personal development that, that brings about a godly life. Well, when I use the word fighting, it's because it's a daily moment-by-moment -moment fight. 
towards your goals, towards laying hold of what God has already written about you in the books of history in heaven, this is where it begins, is your personal decisions. God is not going to do it for you, but he will empower you to make the choices for yourself. So when we talk about fighting in discipline, what is the first golden key today for how to fight in discipline and be live the disciplined life that brings glory to God. Number one, it's a consciousness of time. <laughs> Understanding time. Did you know that in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12, it's actually uh, Moses speaking there. This Moses is being quoted. He says, teach us, O Lord, to number our days. Teach us to count our, our days, our months, our years. Teach us, O oh Lord, to be aware of time. You might be somebody that struggles with time management, and there are, there are reasons for that. You might be somebody that's always in a hurry. Why are you always in a hurry? It's because you're always late. This means you're somebody that has not learned to master time, but you live perhaps a sort of reactive life, a reactionary life, bouncing from phone call to this to that and, and fumbling through your day, always hoping to do more for God, always hoping to start that business, always hoping to write that book, but you're at the mercy of whatever comes your way in your day-to-day -day life. God wants to set you free from a re reactionary lifestyle. Did you know that animals live a reactive life? They live by impulse. They live by instinct. They live in reaction to sounds and to smells. And, and they go about their day not necessarily in a proactive way. But God, the maker of heaven and earth and designer of his greatest creation, the human being, has made us speaking spirits, has made us those who can manage the earth as he manages heaven. He has designed you to be in control of your time. I think somebody's getting blessed by this. As, the, as they're watching this, they're starting to feel that sense of empowerment. But God has actually called you to manage your time well. Time is life. It's the greatest commodity that you have. Discipline and time are interconnected. You may have heard it said that time is money. Time is life. Time is is wisdom. You see, God understands the power of time. We live within the realm of time. Those who master their time, those who are aware of their time, are the ones who do the most in life. In our History Makers Academy training, we have a, 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 a workshop where we map out a 10-year plan. And some people, when they realize and discover concretely on paper where their time is going, so it's like a time budget, similar to a financial budget, when they find out where their time is going, they discover that at the rate of speed, how they're managing their life now, it would take up to 250 years to accomplish their purpose and destiny. <laughs> and many of them, well, you know, they won't be alive in 250 years, but when they find out that at the rate they're going, how they're managing their lives. They will never really do what God has put in their heart to do because they're always losing time like loose change. 
They just don't know it. They don't know how to budget their life. They don't know how to consciously live their life in a way that brings glory to God. Did you know that Jesus died for your time? You owe him your time. <laughs> I said to the Lord today, my time is yours. Every ounce of energy belongs to you. When God finds somebody who is willing to even surrender their moment-by-moment -moment life to him, he can use you for his glory. But this kind of discipline only comes to those who are understanding that time belongs to God. So a consciousness of time. I'm somebody that always is thinking in 15-minute intervals. So I'm trying to do things in 15-minute spaces. I'm aware of the time, even without looking at the clock. This, this drives my wife nuts a little bit sometimes. And she's often amazed. She, <laughs> she says, how did you know that we had to leave this much uh, or this amount of minutes prior to, and wow, you really know time without looking at the clock. This comes through practice, being aware, being conscious of where the time goes. Some people say, wow, how did you fit all that into five minutes? And you finished within the time allotted to you. It's a practice of consciousness of time. I am aware of time because God is aware of time and he lives in me. And every moment must be maximized for the glory of God. If you want to be somebody that achieves greatness in this life, and you'll find if you do the research on, on the underlying principles and lifestyles of most history makers, not just believers, you'll find out they have a keen sense, even sometimes an obsession, with maximizing time. Fitting as much as they can into a day, into an hour. Being aware, are they maximizing that conversation? Are they maximizing that moment and that opportunity? It's a discipline. It's a thinking. It's a thought pattern of those who achieve greatness in life. <laughs> if you're watching this from wherever you are, can you, can you say amen? I've got like 14 of these principles, and I don't know if I'm going to get through them today, but let's maximize the time. Number two, the ability to be decisive. The ability to make decisions quickly. Do you know that a, a, an attribute of those who are lazy or those who are living in mediocrity, is they're not able to make decisions quickly. They are sort of indecisive people. Which restaurant do you want to go to? I don't know. Which one do you want to go to? Or I'm still thinking about making that investment. I'm praying about writing that book. I, I'm not sure. We have this hesitancy, and oftentimes it's believers who are the most double-minded. Believers who are the most hesitant, the most passive, the most afraid. Why? Why are Christians somewhat known for that? And I don't want you to think I'm beating up on Christians. I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I used to live an, un, an, an undisciplined life. I know what it is. But it's because of a mindset and a belief system where we're afraid to be decisive because we think we're taking control over what God should be controlling. 
So we're always waiting on God. Or we have these phrases like, as the Lord leads, or or, or Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be. This mindset holds us back from the decisiveness and proactiveness that God wants you to have. God's problem in the church today is not so much about you doing what you want to do or making the wrong decision, but it's about people not making a decision at all, waiting for one day, Maybe an angel will appear to you and tell you to finally go and do that thing. God wants you to be mature sons and daughters who walk so closely with him. They don't need to ask about everything, but they move forward in life, knowing the heart of their father. Listen, if you're going to make the wrong decision, let's say you're going to be a decisive person and you make the wrong decision. God is able to speak to you and stop you and help you get back on track. <laughs> I've found in life, the times where God has spoken loudest to me is when I'm going to make the wrong decision. If your child was about to cross the road <laughs> and, and there was traffic there and, 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 and your little boy, your little daughter is about to go out into traffic, that's not the time for you to teach them the still small voice of their father. <laughs> no, if you see that your beloved son or daughter is about to go out into trouble and they don't know it, that's when you'd scream, stop! <laughs> you'd make sure that they could hear you because they mean well, but they're heading for trouble. It's the same with God. God actually is able to stop you when you are going to make the wrong decision. But God's problem with the church today is inactivity. He's given us his word. He's given you a vision for your life. He wants you to succeed. But we take on a passive role of always waiting for God to do the things that he's waiting on you to do. The principle is this, that most decisions in life, definitely not marriage though, or some major decisions, but most decisions in life should actually be made in five seconds or less, or you might not commit. Should be made in five seconds or less. I don't know if you've ever watched the show Shark Tank or you've been around some CEOs and some business people or the successful uh, elites in life, but you'll find they're very decisive people and they have a disdain for indecisiveness. People who uh, are given to indecision. Listen, those that govern and rule this world are people of action. They make a decision and they stick to it. Even if you make the wrong decision, at least you made a decision. At least you tried something. And maybe you say, well, I'm afraid of failure. I want to make history. I want to do something for God, but I'm afraid to fail. Listen, you need to change your mindset about failure. Failure is the greatest teacher. Fail as fast and as many times as you can because in your failure, you learn what not to do and it gives you greater direction towards what you're going to do. Thomas Edison is a great example of this. 999 attempts. Let me word it differently. 999 failed attempts in making the light bulb. You look around your room right now, and as I look around this studio, we are living in a world that Edison created as it pertains to energy and, and, and the light dimension. And do you know what? He tried. 
to invent the light bulb, 999 attempts, and he failed. And on the thousandth try, he got it. <laughs> he said, I didn't really fail 999 times. I just learned 999 ways not to make the light bulb, which brought me closer to my greatest achievement of the light bulb. And we have life, and we, we have light today. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God actually needs people who are decisive. Make that decision. If you're going to jump, as, as, as the famous comedian Steve Harvey said, jump without a parachute. Make a commitment to that thing. It's the only way you will discover what you really have, the potential that God has really given you, what he has placed inside of you. There will always be a cost. It never comes with comfort. Discomfort is the key to getting closer to making history. The ability to make decisions quickly. It's another key. I want to give you number three today, and I really hope you're taking notes. Because if you can make these part of your nature, if you can make this be become flesh, and in our History Makers training, we reveal where we find all of this in Scripture, and we, we begin to see that God is a God of discipline. He's a God of greatness, and he wants you to experience greatness too. Number three today. Systematize your life in such a way that you deny yourself unhealthy comforts. Systematize your life in a way that you deny yourself certain comforts, certain pleasures that are holding you back from the potential that's within you, that are holding you back to adhering to certain disciplines, certain laws and principles that bring about greatness. The reality is comfort, a comfort zone, it's called, doesn't actually bring out the best in us. We tend to think that when we become Christians, our birthright now is comfort. <laughs> and certain aspects of the extreme uh, or, or the, the toxic aspects, I should say, of some of the extremes of the prosperity gospel have brought that about. We tend to equate comfort with godliness. However, biblically, You'll see it's just not so. Do we experience blessings that bring comfort in our lives? Yes, absolutely. God wants to bless you. He doesn't want you to have to have the hardest life possible. However, God is a wise God. And he also knows that too much comfort doesn't bring out the best in you. <laughs> but actually, when you go through challenges, when you go through developing disciplines, it actually brings the best out of you. It says of King David, when he fell into his sin with Bathsheba, it says in the days when kings went out to war, <laughs> David stayed home. He relaxed where he normally would be focused, where he normally would be trained and ready for war. He stayed home. And it was that period of finding comfort in his home that he committed the sin of gazing at the woman and her, her nakedness, with, which led to all of these things. When we try to carve out comfort zones for our lives, we do not become the best version of who God has called us to be. God has allowed us to go through discomforts. We actually should be suspicious of too much comfort. We should be suspicious of environments that aren't bringing out the best in us. We, we are not designed and we haven't been put on this earth just to work towards pleasure and 
self-gratification. Most people, especially in a North American context, were working with a goal of more comfort, a better car, a better house, to retire at this point, to have this kind of house on the water. We will guide and, and direct our whole lives working for more comfort. Let me tell you something. The greatness that God has put in you and those who have achieved greatness in this life, they understand that the comfort zone life, the quality of life of the comfort zone lifestyle does not bring out that greatness in you. Rather, challenges give you a thick skin so that as you develop yourself to overcome troubles, challenges, life crisis, it, it creates a thick skin that allows you to go further in life than the general mediocre mass. <laughs> Problems actually can produce great opportunities in your life. So build certain routines, build certain habits. If you're somebody that's stuck watching Netflix and relaxing too much, make yourself a rule that I will read half hour a day and then I'll reward myself with some Netflix. Or I'll read an hour a day. Or I'll read this amount of pages a day. Or five days a week at this time. This is my self-development schedule. This is my strategy to always be adding value to myself. And then reward yourself with a comfort later. But create your life to begin to deny certain things that, you, that aren't bringing out the best in you. Number four, to overcome laziness. If you're somebody that is watching and you say, wow, I really feel like I'm a lazy person <laughs> listening to this, but to overcome laziness, it begins with overcoming mental laziness. Did you know that much of the actions that you are involved in throughout the day or whether they're good or bad or or laziness, or doing well, succeeding, not succeeding, all originate with belief systems. They all begin with certain mindsets that many times we don't even know how destructive some of those belief systems really are. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That is to say that your actions and activities are dictated by your thoughts. That's why the enemy attacks you where? In your thought life. Because he understands that thoughts are like seeds. If he can plant them in the soil of your mind and you meditate on them and develop an ungodly belief system, begin to believe lies, that seed that the enemy has planted can begin to grow and bear the fruit of laziness. Bear the fruit of poverty. Bear the fruit of low self-esteem. Bear the fruit of destructive behaviors. It all begins in the mind. It's really true. The battlefield is the mind. And so, if we are lazy, if you're having trouble living according to some of the values that you have, to some of the biblical values and principles that God has placed before us to live and walk out. If you're struggling with that, go back to what you're thinking. Where does that originate in your mind? Maybe somebody told you you'd never be good at, at whatever, or you'll never graduate, or nobody in my family has ever succeeded in this. That belief system, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, it shows you that your thought life is connected to your actions. 
So if you want to transform your actions, you've got to deal with your thought life. Sometimes this can mean making the word become flesh through repetition, reading, meditating on scriptures, and and reading the opposite of how you feel about yourself, praying into those things. Maybe that kind of of self-development will help you to transform your thinking. Other times you need self-talk. We think that if we can just think the opposite of these thoughts that are flooding our minds, that we, we can defeat those thoughts. But in actuality, to defeat a thought that's coming from that dimension, you must uh, uh, activate something in a higher dimension. You've got to speak the opposite of that which you are thinking. I remember a number of years ago, I was uh, wanting to develop more patience in my life. I found myself to be an impatient person by nature. I don't know who I, who I got that from, whether my mom or my dad or my grandpa or maybe just me. But I had impatience in my life that was holding me back from, from doing what God wanted me to do. And in those days, you know, I, I didn't think anybody could cast a demon of impatience out of me. But I began to take on the challenge of studying patience. I wanted the word to become flesh in me. What did the Bible say about it? The love chapter, it said love is patient. And so I began to to pray into patience. I began to look up scriptures and, and Bible stories where somebody was patient. And each day I was meditating on patience as a virtue. I would even Google certain proverbs and sayings about patience. (laughs) I would simply go to Google and look up the physiological response in your body when you're a patient or impatient person. I immersed myself in, in this concept of patience. But that was enough to give me good head knowledge and help me to have a focus towards personal change in this area. But I took it a bit further. I actually carried around, it's a true story, and I did this for a number of values and virtues I wanted to have formed in my life. I actually carried around a notebook, and every time I became impatient during the day, I would make a little note. (laughs) So if I was sitting in staff meeting when I I served under my father's ministry, and and the staff meeting was just so long. Uh, I, would, I would write down, I became impatient during staff meeting. Or if I was on the, the 401, our local highway here, going eastbound in traffic around dinner time when I was hungry, I, I would say, I became impatient on the highway. And, and I was actually writing each of these down. And you may ask, now what's the point of that? I'll tell you, that night, every night, I got down by my bed and I went to pray. And I read each of those out loud. And I said, Lord, I want to repent today for my impatience at the staff meeting. I repent for being impatient in this case and that case. And I would just read it out one by one. And here's where the power came. I would say, Lord, I exchange my human impatience for your divine patience. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, 
History Makers TV or download our History Makers Society app today.